Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. for your really kind words about my last talk, Lucy. That was really meant a lot. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, welcome to Revolution Gathering. The Gathering. <laughs> um, evening, yes. Evening over there in the UK. Um, I mean, it's actually like 11 o'clock here in, in uh, the Pacific Northwest. And it's a lovely, dreary day outside. Lovely, lovely, dreary day. Um, so we're going to try a couple things today. So I prepared a tiny little talk, but we're also going to do a Q&A, a little Q&A. Hopefully Josh, Josh, <clears throat> who's been helping me out here and is working with Revolution and posts all our stuff and everything, is hopefully going to help out. But he had to, he wanted to go see the movie, so he like might be getting out of the film right now, so he might show up, he might not. So if he does show up, we might share the screen and he'll read the questions. If not, I'll just go through the questions. Bloop, 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 bloop. Oh, look, there's my sister. Um, for all you listening online, I can just see people who appear uh, on my screen. Uh, one of the cool things is, I'll, I'll just go ahead and write up my favorite part. I'm not gonna get right into the movie right away and I'm not gonna talk about the movie. I'm only gonna talk about the premiere. I'll do something separate if we do a talk about the movie. Um, but I'm going to, once one part, my little, my favorite part is my sister's song at the end um, is really amazing. And you can get it anywhere you listen to um, music. So you can get it on Apple. You can get it on in, uh, Spotify. You can get it on, I'm sure... YouTube music or Facebook music or any of those things and um, it's really good and it's a cover of my mom's song uh, Don't Give Up so you should check it out um, it's it's really awesome I listened to it like five times my daughter Minnie the other day made me play it a couple times over and over again not make me but she asked me to play it over because I told her her Aunt Sissy was, was, uh, did a song and she was very happy. Oh, look, James Chapman. What is this, a family reunion? Welcome to the family reunion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was produced by the Gaithers, the Baker family reunion. Here we are, the dream we all dream of. Oh, even Steve Peters is here. Oh, my gosh. I'm so nervous. Um, so usually I give a little bit of an antidote, but you guys know I got back from New York um, a few days ago, uh, flew out for the premiere. Um, this whole thing is really wild. It's really, really, really wild. It's been, uh, you know, I talk a lot about dialectic here and a lot about um, contradictions and things and, and feeling both feelings feeling good and feeling bad and some people say bittersweet um, 
kind of thing. And that's what it's been. It's been very bittersweet, you know. There's a lot of good and a lot of bad. And it's weird to have your uh, folks back out in the media again. And and it's weird because I, in some ways it's like, you know, you feel like I'm 45 and, and I don't like to feel like an 11-year-old child. <laughs> but sometimes I do. Uh, sometimes I do get that, that feeling of uh, being kind of that nervous kid with all this stuff coming out and around again. So that's been kind of tough and weird. Um, what a weekend though, you know? Um, so here at home the other day, I was just, I was driving to the gas station and, um, and this is what I was, people are really tense in the world right now. People are really tense and it's not just me. Cause I was trying to take a left into the gas station <laughs> And I guess there were WL lines. I don't pay attention. I'm just trying to go into the gas station. And this guy comes behind me and he just starts nailing on his horn. Now, it's two lanes. He can just go around me very easily. Starts nailing on his horn. You know, and to the point where I finally, I can't look out the window. So I open my door and I go, what? And he's like, it's a double yellow line. You can't turn there. I'm like, I don't care. Just go around me. I'm getting gas. You know, and then... You know, so here I am going this way, and then there's another lady going this way. Now, both of these people have giant trucks. Nothing against anybody with giant trucks, but this, I'm just saying, they both had giant trucks. And so this lady's coming this way. All of a sudden, she rolls down her window and says, you need to keep driving, you mother effer, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and she has like bright pink hair. And I said, well, what are you, the punk rock traffic police? And she spit at me. And I was like, and then the guy pulls up and stops next to me. And I roll down my window and he's like, I'm going to kick your ass. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I had no idea people were so passionate about the traffic laws in, in Seattle. Um, pretty wild. Pretty wild day. <laughs> I was like, okay. Got my Diet Cokes, got my gas, went on with life. But I just say that because, you know, you don't know what people are going through. You know, I don't know what that guy was going through. I don't know what that woman was going through. You know, life is tough. You know, and I just wanted to be like, ah, oh, guy, me too. I get it. I get it. So, uh, one thing I, I wanted to talk a little bit about today, before we get into kind of the premiere Q and A that I told you guys we would do, is um, humanity. I want to talk about humanity for a minute, and I think it's important, and I think it's within context. Uh, particularly of my life and my family, but I think your lives and your families as well. So, as, as usual, I'm going to go talk about the Apostle Paul for a second, and I'm going to line this up with my own world, my own life view, and kind of how maybe we can respond better to others. And, you know, see, live in a life that's based in reality. And the problem is, I think often in Christianity, there's a lot of magical thinking, but I also just thinking also in, in just life in general. You know, people, when they get too involved in politics or too involved in this type of thing, we get this magical thinking and we just, we, we start to divide people into good and bad and things like that. And, and we get that, uh, um, that, that, that like, what's that thinking I'm thinking about? Binary. You know, we get that binary thinking that starts going on that we're like, oh, you know, well, these people magically, it's like, for example, um, what happened this past week 
there was a, uh, that the, uh, the military blew up a car with seven kids in it and I believe three adults. And the military came out and admitted that they had made a mistake and, 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 uh, what they did. But I was thinking, I was like, you know, if this happened under Trump, under Donald Trump, most of the people I know and follow <laughs> would be losing their minds. And it happened under Biden. And what I felt like, I felt like there was a lot of silence and I was really surprised. I wasn't surprised, I guess. I guess it's human nature, but it's just weird how we put on different lenses and how we make allowances for horrific mistakes for certain people. And, and then we scapegoat other people based on our, our own prejudices and our own ideals and our own magical thinking. And when the idea is, is that we really do live in a society that needs to change. You know, we do have a government that needs reform, not just conservative government or liberal government, but all the government needs to change. And I think hypocrisy is a two-way street, folks, you know. And when you start to pay attention to the small details, you start to see it. And I don't say this to say you're bad and you're a hypocrite. What I, why I say this is so that maybe we can recognize the own hypocrisy in our own lives. That we can see that we have the ability to pick and choose who we think deserves to be punished and who doesn't deserve to be punished. Who goes to prison and who doesn't go to prison. You know what I mean? Like if so, you know, I, I remember I, I had a friend of mine who does all this stuff for prisoners' rights. And then for some reason one day he turned on the TV and saw my dad on TV and it got him really mad. And so he went on and he goes, how can you let this man still preach after he was been in prison, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going like, he served his time. You're for prisoners' rights, but all of a sudden now it's a televangelist who's not cool. They're not doing what you like or what you condone as Christianity or what you support as Christianity. So now everything that you're passionate about, you're willing to compromise in order to persecute this person because of your own prejudices, because of your own contradictions are being shown. And so I think we have to be aware of when we have those type of contradictions. Now, you all know I'm not a Trump supporter, so it, I'm not doing that there. I, I'm doing this to say I'm not really a Biden supporter either, to be honest with you. But I, I'm saying all this is so we can keep an eye on ourselves as well, that we can remember where we're at. So, hey, you know, and if you guys want some ideas of what it's like for me going through all this, I, I did an interview with uh, Vanity Fair, and I have to say the reporter was really amazing. There was actually a part that she had left out, and I go, oh, why did you leave this out? And she goes, well, I, I just felt like I'd ask more questions. She's like, do you have anything to kind of back this up? And so I told her a few things, and she put the quote back in. And um, I thought that was really cool because I'm not used to reporters doing things like that. And I felt like it was a pretty honest, clear interview so um, if you want to kind of get an idea, because I know some of you are already have questions about that kind of stuff, and I might not be able to answer them all, and I probably won't answer them all today, to be honest with you. Um, I have been so exhausted just mentally. Um, but yeah, so, so think about that. Um, I'll check that out. But also get my sister's song. I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of my sister. I'm so amazed by her. I'm so hoping that there's an album that comes out of this, and I, I can't wait. I believe there is. In the name of Jesus. All right. Romans. Romans 3. 
I want to look at this for a second. Romans 3, 9 says, What then? Are, there any better, are we any better off? No, not at all. For we all ready charge that all, both Jew and Greek, are under the power of sin. It is, as it is written, Jew and Greek. Now, I love this because Paul is being inclusive. Remember, Judaism did not include the Greeks. So Paul's being inclusive here again. And we forget this stuff. Like Paul was like this really guy who really built on inclusiveness. And that's why I don't like the pastoral epistles because they're not Paul. Matter of fact, I'm going to go as far and say they're anti-Paul. Um, and I want us to embrace Paul more because I think the church desperately needs the message of grace more and more every day. And we've got to be able to communicate honestly and transparently. We don't have, nothing's perfect, folks. Um, but Paul says here, Jew and Greeks are under the power of sin, as is written. There is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. There is no one who, is, who shows kindness. There is not even one. Their throats are open graves. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of vipers is under their lips. Now, this is pretty harsh stuff. I, I, I get that. Um, but I want to look about how we can kind of see what Paul is trying to say to us. And, and, and I like how he says here, he goes, um, there is no one who shows kindness. I thought it was really interesting. And of course, he's not saying you don't show kindness to your family or loved ones, but I think he's what, what Paul is saying is that we don't show kindness to everyone, and that's what this faith, that's what Jesus, that's what relig this religion, Christianity, is calling us to do, and there's no one who truly shows it because we all have an asterisk by grace. We all have an asterisk by love your enemy. We all have an asterisk by love your neighbor, and we allow our own perceptions to come in and play on who we forgive, who we love, who's deserving of grace and who's not deserving. It's like we, and we say, oh, there shouldn't be a scale of sins until there should be. You know what I mean? I mean, literally that's how we are. You know, um, I learned so much when I was, when I first took my stance as being gay affirming, I learned so much of like looking at what Christians say and how they word it and and what they do, and how what they think about sin, and how they think about levels of sin, and not certain sins, and what, you know, on both sides of, of you know, on, on the side that I was going, where I was affirming and an ally, and then the other sides where they weren't affirming and they thought it was a sin, you know. And in these conversations, you see everybody's own, you know, how their perspectives and how their emotions and how their own their own traumas in their lives kind of cause us to see how to see these things and what we, you know, sometimes the stuff we get the angriest most about is usually something that we're dealing with ourselves. You know, we start to project a little bit and it becomes very obvious. I think when we see things like politics and we see how people react towards each other or like right now where we see a lot of progressives, uh, being very legalistic with their progression, you know, like, Oh, you're either with me or against me. You know, you know, they get really, you know, very much like the conservatives were in the 80s and 90s, you know, and so we kind of project, on, we, all of a sudden we've become things that we did not want to be.
you know? And so all of a sudden that kindness is gone. Now we're in power, you know, we're not as outraged when, when a military, a horrific military mistake has happens, you know? And so it, it's, it, this is for us to look within ourselves and ask the question, why? Why are we like this? Why do we do this? Now you go, look, Jay, what does this have to do with the eyes of Tammy Faye? I want to talk about the eyes of Tammy Faye. We'll get there. I don't take a straight road to any place. <laughs> no one's going to get me. Zigzag, zigzag. Um, jump over to, um, if you're following along in your Bibles, because I know you all are. Um, <laughs> Revolution, I would always be at service. I'm like, now turn to your thing, and I'm like, and I am the only one in the south place with the Bible. Um, Romans uh, 3 21. I'll start in 22. Uh, 322. Uh, Romans 322. The righteous of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction between anybody, there is no Jew or Gentile, slave nor free you know, Southern Baptist or Assemblies of God or, you know, whatever the other ones, Lutherans or Episcopalians. Since all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through Christ redeemed, that is Christ Jesus. Now, the reason I read this is this for all all sinned and all fall short. And what I always liked about this is it didn't say all have fallen short. It says all fall short. Now, I know a lot of us don't like the idea of sin and, oh, I was born a piece of shit and I'm just a piece of shit saved by grace. I don't like that either. That's not my bag. But we all do have a lack. Something that we feel that's missing that we try to fill. And often pastors will be like, it's a God-shaped hole. You just need to fill it with God. And then we do that. And then we realize we still have this lack and we're still human beings. Um, so I've always said anything that we, I think what Paul calls us to do and what Jesus calls us to do and what we're really to live a normal life, we have to learn to be comfortable with the lack, that which is missing within us, that the lack is okay, that the lack is not a bad thing. And for me, sin is anything that tries to fill that lack. What? Yeah. So anytime we're trying to you know, and that's why I, I don't like capitalism that much because capitalism sells us this idea that we can be happy by fulfilling that lack. If we just have the right clothes, if we just have the right house, if we just have the right car, if we just have enough in our savings account. Um, you know, the fact is, though, is no matter what, we all die at the end. Uh, life ends. So, so that's the idea is that, you know, if I can just have one more thing, that will complete me. And the idea is that... Where none of us are complete, and we all fall short. We all make mistakes. We are all human beings. I remember my sponsor used to say, she said this about me once to somebody, that I was haphazardly human. Um, but the more I've reflected on that over the years is I realized we're all haphazardly human. We are all humans. We all fall short. And that's good news, believe it or not. Grace is good news. The need for grace is good news. It's because it's saying you're never going to add up. Stop trying to add up. Accept who you are. Um, most, of, most of us grew up in a religion with a type of prohibition. You know, prohibition, you know, we always think about the outlawing, outlawing alcohol. 
But this idea of kind of the opposite of trying to fill the lack is like, don't use that. You got to use this to fill it and not that. So stay away from that. It's almost like the tree. Like there's one tree, stay away from it. And now all you can think about is that tree. Mm, I bet you the fruit's really good on that tree. I've had every tree here. There's another tree. I just want to try it, you know. Um, <laughs> what was it? Pete said there are these great rings that you guys have in America that, that make you think about sex and have sex all the time, and they're called purity rings. <laughs> you know, you got this thing that's telling you, I'm not going to have sex. And then so you look at it, and every time you think, sex, sex. We have this prohibition that says, don't do this. And for me, growing up in Christianity, the majority of my life, I would say up until about 20 years old, I thought prohibition was a major part of Christianity. Now that I've studied it inside and out, I realize that prohibition is not a big part of Christianity, not, at least not in the way we've ever thought it was. It's not a, a list of rules. It's not a a man in the sky with a rule list watching. Oh, he failed that one. Oh, oh, got that one good. You know, it's not that. But that's what I thought it was. And all about, so I thought God hated me because I couldn't deal with God's prohibitions. I could not, everything that was prohibited, I wanted to be next to. You know, my unconscious wanted it, and I couldn't figure it out. You know, like Paul says, you know, I, I try to do the things I want, but I don't. Now, why does this have to do with what I'm talking about? Well, here we go. One of the things about I have had to come to terms with in my life, and I, my sister's helped just recently. We had a good talk, and she really helped me a lot with this too, is realizing that even me and my sister had to make a huge sacrifice in our own lives, not one that we chose, to be honest with you, but we had to have a sacrifice of not having our parents all the time because our parents loved other people and wanted to help other people. And the truth is, is I meet people all the time who tell me, I mean, I'm, right now I'm hearing so many great stories about my mom, but I'll be honest with you, I've heard a lot of great stories even about my father and about their, people's lives being saved, not taking their own lives, getting their lives together, getting homes, to, I mean, I just... You know, enough that should give you enough fuel to live and be like, oh, I'm at peace with this. Unfortunately, that's not how my brain works. Um, but we all, now, even folks outside of religion have their own prohibitions. And we see this a lot with politics, you know, when we hear the word politically correct, no matter which politically correct side it is, it, it, they have their own prohibitions that they live by and they live through. Um, yeah, Zoe, for instance, when I first met Zoe, man, Zoe was talking to me all about my dad and all about my dad's book and how much he loved it and how much. So, you know, everybody has a different journey, you know, and we're all in this. But what I kept thinking about was, is that we've got to get to a point where we realize we're all humans. Like those two people who were, the woman spit at me. I've not been spat at and oh, I don't even remember the last time. Um... But God, what's her life like? That she's got so much anger that she had to get into a, a road rage conversation because she didn't have one of her own. You know, what's going on in there? What's the prohibition? What's the law of classing two painted yellow lines? You know, why, why is this bringing up so much anger and angst? Because it's, we all have these prohibitions in our lives that we resent. And then we don't see other people following it and then we attack them because we think, 
because we don't want to follow him either. I'm following him. Why don't you follow him? And I honestly believe that one of the things that my parents were trying to do in their ministry was loosen the prohibitions of their faith, but more of the customs of like, oh, you got to be miserable as a Christian. You got to be poor. No fun, no music, no movies, no makeup, no dresses. You know, women have to wear pants. And I think they felt like we're going to go in and make it cool to be a Christian and people can be loosened up a little bit and we can bring it to everybody. I really thought that was one of the, I think they had kind of a, like a tiny, um, reformation in their mind that they were going to reform things a bit of like we're going to we're going to make it fun you know and and honestly i think they did a lot of times for a lot of people they kind of gave them this belief that oh i can be human i can do this i can you know you know all these prohibitions all they do is cause us to want something more so i think what we have to do with grace is accept that we're human beings and what i feel like with my folks is that they were under this prohibition of ideas and uh, that so many Christians had in the 80s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And they crossed some of those boundaries that they, some of them they should have, some of them they shouldn't have. But the fact is they were human beings. Like when we see people fall and have make mistakes, uh, often with, with religious people, it's sexual mistakes or alcohol or drugs. But it's this prohibition that's been set for them and that they've tried to live by. And then all of a sudden they realize, I'm fallen. I'm a human being. I have sexual needs that aren't being met and I might actually go somewhere else. Or I might think about this or I might do this. I may end up living life this way because I am a human being and I have desires. And now that I'm told these desires are bad, all I can do is think about these desires. You know, and what we have to do is, is, is take away that idea of going like, it's not, why are they bad? You know, it's like, you know, it's like, well, why don't you cheat on so-and-so? You know, well, you know, because it's the wrong thing to do. No, that's not the right answer, to be honest, because it's a sin. No, that's not the right answer either. You do that because you say, I love that person, and we have an agreement to not do that. And we do it out of love. It's not that God's going to, re- when you start thinking God's going to reject you for something, all of a sudden that thing becomes very uh, desirable. And, um, and I think my folks had to deal with this, with a great bit of fame, a great bit of this and all this. And so what I hope we can do, and the reason I say this, because people are going to see the movie and have their own ideas. I, I don't, you know, we're not, I'm not really trying to get into the movie today, to be honest with you. I'm going to talk a little about the premiere for you guys, but, but, you know, because it's not perfect. There's things that are completely wrong in it. You know, there are some good things in it, some bad things in it. But the idea is humanity. And that's what I, one thing I liked is at least it made them a little bit more human. And it showed their human side and maybe even some human faults. And that's what I think we have to go is say, people are human beings. What would I do if I, my feet were in those shoes? What do I do every day in my life? You know, just because they failed at their own prohibitions, just because they crossed their prohibition, what would I do if that was my prohibition? You know, um, empathy is pretty cool. You know, putting yourself in other people's shoes. You know, uh, you know, often when we've seen televangelists fall in the past or preachers fall in the past, and oh, well, they preached against that. Well, of course they preached against it. 
Because in their mind is all they're thinking about and they're trying to figure out ways not to do it. You know, and so they fail. Oh, they're hypocrites. I can't believe, you know. I mean, it, it makes me sad that these people are hypocrites, but it also makes me sad that they're under the law because that's what prohibition is. Now, Paul has come to say we're no longer under the law. We're free from law. Jesus said, I'm not come to abolish law, but I've come to fulfill it. Like literally make it fulfilled. It is finished kind of thing. I mean, Jesus even says that when he's crucified. It is finished. And we create a new law, a law. So we create all these other laws, no matter. So if you're a part of different communities, um, any system that you're a part of um, is going to have its own prohibitions, its own law in it. It's those do's and don'ts. You ever watch the fashion do's and don'ts, you know, and they put the little black guy in and they go, she wore that awful. He wore that great, you know. Um, everybody has their little rules and their law. And Paul says we're free from the law. And we only make ourselves guilty is when we go back to the law. So what I'm asking is, is have we, do we set up our own little, we have our little, own little law books that we judge by? Or then we buy into a system and we go, okay, we're going to follow their prohibitions, we're going to follow their laws, and we're not supposed to live in the law. Because the law is the problem that arouses these things within us, which creates the haphazardly human beings in us. And um, we're going to have to one day realize is that we're all fallen. We are all fallen. And for people to be hypocrites, no kidding, if you, not a lot of people read Hegel because Hegel is very hard to read. I'm trying to read it and I'm reading books about Hegel because I can't really read Hegel on his own, so I'll admit that. But Hegel talks about the idea of contradiction and how we all live within contradiction. Contradiction is within us all. And there are certain contradictions that we can change and other contradictions that we have to learn to be comfortable with, a dialectic that we have to learn to live with of things that seem opposite but somehow come together in our truth or even higher than truth, which I know you probably blows your mind, but when you get into philosophy, you start even talking about higher truth or even when you get into uh, psychoanalysis, higher truth or, or higher than truth, uh, you start talking about these things within our unconscious and things like this. We're very complicated human beings. It's, it's very interesting. Um, as humans, we're very complicated. It's not so simple. So, so if contradictions are within us already, there are going to be times where people see, who aren't thinking about it, hypocrisy. You know, um, there are going to be times where we see that in people's lives because contradiction is just part of being a human being. And... We have to learn to live with that and allow grace to be there because then and with grace being there, with acceptance, when, when you take away the prohibition, things lose their strength. There became a moment when I was 20 years old, maybe even 21, and I accepted the fact that God loved me if I was drunk at the club, dancing my ass off, um, trying to meet ladies, or if I was preaching at a pulpit. God loved me just that. No, it didn't matter. That grace was sufficient in that area. That's when I was 20. That's what came to me. And all of a sudden, those prohibitions disappeared. The law disappeared. Now, when the law disappeared, the first thing, one of the first things I did, joined a 12-step group. Because it, getting sober for me now, it wasn't about pleasing God. It wasn't about a rules, regulations, or anything like that. For me, all of a sudden, I realized, oh, I'm not happy anymore because I, the life I'm living. I'm not happy with the way alcohol is making me feel 
and the things that it's making me do and the things that it's making me say. It's causing a negative reaction. To now it's not a sin issue. Now it's not a prohibition issue. Now it's the issue of, you know, I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being miserable. And this is not adding to my peace of mind. I want some peace. I want to grow. I want to, I want to grow as a human being. And this is keeping me from growing as a human being. But it only worked when I realized that the prohibitions were gone. It only realized when I was free from the law that in a way you could master the law. It's really funny that you have to kind of take those things away in order to be able to have a life you want. I think, you know, what was the first thing that if someone was like, well, how do you become a saint? One, I think you can't become a saint and we're all saints because of grace. But I would say have no rules. All is permissible, as the Bible says, all is permissible, but not all is beneficial. Go live your life. Um, because I think taking away those temptations, taking away those things, is for, those forbidden fruits, um, frees us up to be humans and frees us to have a look at things in a different way. So let's talk a little bit about, that's humanity, right? We talked about humanity. And, and that's what I experienced, I think, seeing this film and, and interacting with people at the premiere and all this stuff, honestly. Um, and we're going to get into this right now. Um, so some people said, why did you go to, to the premiere? Why did you go to the premiere? You know, and because we're so dialectical thinking, I have already had people attack me saying like, I can't believe you, you know, uh, that you're, you're, you know, you're giving this your seal of approval and all that. I'm not giving a seal of, I'm not giving anything. I'm not giving the movie my seal of approval. The point is I'm comfortable with contradiction. I'm comfortable with the things of saying, yeah, I kind, yeah, it's great. There's some things I liked and there's some things I didn't like. Um, I want to go out and first say, like, Jessica Chastain has been like an angel. She's been amazing. She's been really nice to me. Um, are there things I wish I could have helped with more in the film? Of course, yeah, yes. And I've told them that and I told the director that and I told everybody that. But I'm okay with with being a part of something and not fully supporting it. That's how I live my life. You know, if I'm going to talk to people I disagree with, if I want to help people grow and change, I'm going to have to be around people who think differently than me. You know, I believe, you know, in a diversity of thoughts. I think we often focus on the diversity of our images and our skin colors, you know, and, and, and I think that's great, or, or our, our sexuality, or our sex, or things like that. But we often forget about the importance of diversities of thought. Like, if, like if you, everybody looks the same and thinks exactly the same, you're not going to get a whole lot of diversity in those places. You're just going to look great, but it's still going to have your pro. Everybody's going to have that, the prohibitions and the laws that they agree with and the certain things they don't. And for me, I want to be in a place like revolution where we have diversity of thought where there's some of us who have different political beliefs, different faith beliefs, different ideals, different things we think about, we're, and it's okay. And you know what, we might argue and we're argue well, but at the end of the day, we know that this is a place of grace and that we can argue here. Um, you know, I've made it really clear, this is not a safe space, we're all gonna just sit to gear out, because often safe spaces are just places you agree with. You're gonna get triggered here. That's just gonna happen. That's just part of life. I, I, I've never had a proper place where I get a trigger warning, you know? 
um, I've never found a place where I felt safe. Um, I've even gone into groups where they're like, this is a safe place for people who've been hurt by the church. And I went in and I started talking about my experience and they're like, that's really not adding to what we're trying to say here. Could, could you maybe just be quiet? I mean, seriously. So it's like, okay, there's no place where everybody can fit in. But that's why I decided, I thought, you know, I saw the film a few months ago with Pete Rollins. They flew us out to LA to see the film. And I had a more positive first reaction to it than my second viewing with everybody else. Um, but I did like the idea of my parents being humanized. So I decided to go out to the premiere and do this. And I kind of along the way, I started to realize I was getting really stressed out about it, about going to the premiere. I mean, I, I've not been to a whole lot of premieres in my life, especially with like big movie stars. Um, and I, and I went along the line of realizing that I'm going to just have to go and realize I'm just going to try to enjoy myself. Because I'm overthinking this, you know, people want, you know, the media wants to talk to me and stuff like that. So part of the red carpet was is that I just really didn't talk to anybody in the media. I just kind of walked through with, with Lori and they took pictures and, and we did that thing. But I, I just said, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have a good time, you know. So I got there. I got to meet Steve Peters in person, finally. We've been friends for over a year and a half. We got to sit down and chat and I was really excited about that. You know, and at one point, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, you know, if this is, if this just helps people hear Steve's message, you know, I mean, the guy's been through hell and back. You know, that's enough for me. You know, I mean, it just, Steve was lit up. He was, he had a great time. Um, obviously, it was a bit more complicated for me because this is where a lot of my pain comes from in my life. You know, when I go and see my analyst, in almost every session, in almost every single session, it comes back to my childhood that took place during this time. You know, so that's where the wounds are. That's where, 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 where the grieving begins. That's, uh, you know, that's where I'm going. So for me, it, it's kind of like going back in time. And then, you, then seeing someone else's idea of what your life was like when you grew up. Um, so I had to go in knowing all that and, uh, honestly, I'll, I'll answer some questions cause honestly, in a few minutes, cause I don't really feel like I have that much to say about it. Um, it was interesting, you know? Yeah. I've been super sensitive with the press people. I haven't done a lot of press for it, you know, and really the idea of doing the press is because I do love my mom. I do think that Jessica's heart is in the right place and she really wants to see mom's legacy go. And I think my mom would be proud um, to be remembered this way. I think we all want to be remembered for our love and our compassion. You know, I think that's, that's a really cool thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, it's, it, it, you can see it's difficult, even difficult for me now to talk about it. You know, and this just happened, but I've been sleeping for days cause it just took the life out of me to be honest with you. So yeah, I went and there were drag queens everywhere and movie stars. And uh, I got to meet Vincent, uh, you know, who's been in a ton of different movies. And I was a fan of his. He was the only person I asked to meet at the event where I was like, is Vincent here? Is Vincent here? Is Vincent? He plays Jerry Falwell. And I met Jerry Falwell. I actually sat down with Jerry Falwell for 45 minutes as, as, a, as a teenager. And um, a lot of people were like, oh, he kind of talked like a TV preacher. I'm like, Jerry Falwell, that's exactly how he sounded. So I was just was like, I wanted to meet Vincent and be like, you did a great job. Also... I loved you in 
you know, in Law and Order, and I loved you in Men in Black, and I loved you in The Cell, and I loved you, in, and I just want to say I think your work is awesome. Because I like when people tell me my work's good, so I just wanted to go up, and that's what I did. I went up, told him his work was awesome, boop, boop, that was it, you know. Um, he tweeted it, retweeted my sister's song the other day, and then he tweeted, hey, Jay, and he had, we had a little conversation. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I went and, and walked walked the red carpet. And it was funny because, you know, it's like you're going into this thing based all around your life, and the majority of people there I don't think knew who I was. And so I was like, I said something to one of the drag queens. I said, oh, yeah, my mom had a dress like that. And she's like, oh, yeah, I borrowed it from her. Thanks. Because she didn't know who I was, so she was real snotty with me. <laughs> and Or he was really snotty with me. And, um, and you go, oh, Jade, you just gendered him. Well, don't worry, because that's where I met him later in the men's bathroom. And uh, I said, hey, listen. I said, I wasn't making fun of you. I am Tammy's son. I was complimenting you, letting you know that, that my mom had a dress just like that one. Oh, and I had said something else to another drag queen about their hair being mom hair. Oh, yeah, I know. I look like I'm going to the PTA meeting. And I went up to him later and said, listen, I said, my mom is Tammy Faye. <laughs> I was saying that that haircut, I remember when my mom had that haircut. And she's like, oh, my God. Or he's like, oh, my God, thank you. And hugged me and loved me on me. And, and so it was a really cool experience, but it was really strange. You know, because it was kind of like, it felt like being a ghost in a, in a strange way of like, you know, haunting your old life. And I'm only a baby in the movie. They, they had a scene with me and my dad talking, but they cut it out. And that my friend Kyle played me. And I met Kyle when he was making the film just online, but I really liked this guy and I really wish it was in the movie. Um, but you no, know, so I met Kyle who played me and, um, but yeah, but I'm not in there. And, and, and so it's like, I, it was like being a ghost. You know, and so we, we went through the red carpet, there no juju beads, no candy. What's up with that? But they had Diet Cokes, lots of Diet Cokes. So I was a little bit in heaven with that, you know, um, it, you know, for somebody to be like, I need a drink. You know, that was me. I need a drink. A bunch of Diet Cokes. I put a Diet Coke on the red carpet and took a picture for my mom. Um, you can see that on my Instagram if, if you want, or it might be on my Facebook as well. I've had to kind of like really watch my Facebook because people can be super mean. So I've had to edit, like people can't make comments on a lot of my Facebook pictures because I just don't want to deal with that at this point in my life. Um, went and saw the film. And to be honest with you, I started to get uncomfortable. And Lori, who went with me, looks over and says, we don't have to stay here. We can go get a drink. You know, we can take off. Oh, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But I went up. Now, there's one scene where they got wrong, where my mom is pregnant with me, and it got wrong, and it was kind of upsetting for me. And so I got up, walked out, and this was kind of a cool thing. I'm not going to say it was a miracle, but I walk out, and they were playing the soundtrack on the, the movie outside in the movie area. And I walk out, and it's my sister's song playing. And that's my favorite part of the movie. Like, when I first saw the film... I, I cried a little bit, man. I bawled when my sister's song came on. And Pete was with me. I looked over at Pete, and Pete started to tear up. Now, if anybody knows Pete, Pete's not the biggest crier in the world. But anyway, so I walk out. I'm just like, oh, okay, this is a little much. This is a little much. And all of a sudden, I hear my sister's voice. You know, don't give up. I'm like, oh, thank you, Sue. Thank you, sissy, Sue, Sue. <laughs> 
it was just nice to have my sister and hear my sister there. And so that to me, I mean, I, to me, it was just like a nice moment that I had. And I went back in and it started getting towards the 90s and a lot of trauma for me in the 90s because I worked on my dad's case. My parents got divorced. Not Most people don't know, but I was the one who told my dad that my mom was divorcing him and, and a lot of that stuff. And and like I said, I'm not in in there at all. So it's like, it's like, so it's kind of like I'm a ghost in my own life in some of these weird scenes. And I just finally said, Lori, I said, we got to go. Can we go? And she's like, yeah, let's go. She's like, I'll watch it later. I'll watch it when it comes out on Netflix. So we got up and we walked out. And the cool thing was, is I did get it. You know, you wouldn't expect the star of the movie to be noticing who's what's happening in the audience. I got a, I, I got a text from Jessica being like, I saw you leave early. Is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, it's just tough. She's like, the 90s part is kind of tough on you, huh? And I was like, yeah, you know, so we just, we'll see you at the, at the premiere. And so we went to go, me and Lori went to go out to go to, to, to a bar, but then the, we were talking outside and before I knew it, they, they left, they let everybody out. I was like, oh, I guess we should just go straight over to the, to the after party, you know? And, um, and so it was like, oh, I hope I'm not going too long, guys. If I am, let me know. I have the most listeners I've had in years, so I'm going to guess that maybe it's not that bad. Um, so, so yeah, so we just, people are coming out, and then all of a sudden people are starting to talk about the movie. Now, two of the things that was hard, too, is that there's one scene, and this is kind of what got me to walk out. It was the lowest point in our family's life is, is it really in there. There's a scene that's kind of in there that was this interview that my parents gave. And my dad kind of has like this Freudian slip, if you will. And everybody laughs. Now, for me, this was the darkest time in my life. And the darkest, for me, I, I was shoved from being a kid to being uh, dealing with very adult issues and situations all of a sudden and seeing your parents completely broken in front of me. And so to hear people laugh at that moment was very, I mean, I get it. If I was somebody else, I get it. I am able to empathize. I understand. But for me, it was very hard to, to do. And so, so I, that, that was one reason I was like, let's get out of here. And so we're outside. And so people are starting to talk about the movie. I'm like, let's just get in the car. They provided a car to drive us around. That was really cool. And, um, and so we got in the car and drove to uh, the after party. And first thing that happens, I walk into the after party and there's someone holding a plate. You know, at the right side, I get out of the, out of the yeah, elevator holding one of the, you know, the server's plates full of drinks and it's all just Diet Cokes. Would you like a Diet Coke? I was like, oh, hell yeah, I want a Diet Coke. Boom, give me one. Hit me. Keep them coming. And, uh, and then I find I'm an introvert. So if you ever see me at parties or you know me or you see me at events or anything like that or shows, like when we, Revolution used to do concert shows, I would work the door and sell the tickets because I just was uh, that way I got to say hello to everybody, but I didn't have to stand in the crowd, you know? And so I found a little quiet spot outside. There was a little ledge on the, on the outside, beautiful view of New York. And I just went and sat there and Steve came over and we talked and I had a lollipop and, and it was really fun. Um, you know, cause when you're with Steve, it's like, he's, he's, he's got a very, parenting motherly vibe about him very uh, compassionate understanding someone who's been through hell 
You know, so it's just, you know, there's, there's, there's no prohibition of conversations when you're with Steve. Let's put it that way. So it was good. So we hung out and talked a little bit. And I, Jessica, are you, are you okay? Is everything all right? Yeah, I'm fine. So I'm sitting here talking, and they're bringing us little tidbits, bites to eat, kind of white trashy food that I think my mom would have liked. Um, <laughs> the only thing that would have been better is Applebee's had, had done it. Um, <laughs> so, so we're eating. Um, met different people, meeting stars, like famous people that you know, but you don't know their names, you know, and they're like talking to me and like trying to explain to me how the difference between fiction and nonfiction and autobiography. And I'm just like, oh, okay. oh no, this is the really hard part. When I first got there and I sat down, um, um, walked in and sat down and there was a group of people, I think that worked for the company talking about the film with lots of opinions. And I'm sitting there like in the darkness, like Batman, you know, um, hearing them. And it's kind of driving me crazy. And I looked at Lori and I said, listen, I said, I'll be right back. And she was, she was being so cool and so understanding. She's like, do what you got to do, man. And I went, I said, hey, listen, I hear you guys have a lot of opinions about this. I'm like, but this was my life. And I'm sitting right there. I'm like, so, you know, either maybe have the conversation somewhere else or feel free to come and talk to me about it. I'd be glad to talk to you guys. I'm, I'm right there, right next to you. But this is my life. And, um, because that's just the truth, you know? I, I have to live my truth, you know? Uh, I like that Joe Strummer said the great thing about punk rock is it asked the question, give me some truth, give me a little bit of truth. Before the film, I listened to John Lydon, um, who's Johnny Rotten. I listened to this album, the Sex Pistols album, and then I listened to some PIL, uh, especially that song Rise, over and over again. Anger is an energy, you know? Um, because that's somebody who kind of lives their truth, and I kind of like that guy. We don't agree on everything, but man, I like the spirit of John Lydon, and so I kind of felt like, hey, I'm going to let punk rock come and embrace me a little bit. And uh, they played crazy music. Everybody was dancing. Kind of felt like a, you know, like a after party at a wedding. You know, there were like a wedding reception or something. Um, and and so yeah, the director came up and talked with me. And the director, Michael, which is crazy, is he used to be on 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 this comedy TV show called The State. And in high school, I used to watch The State religiously. Like, and they played it all the time on like MTV. So I grew up with him and his skit comedy and stuff. And here he is directing a film about my mom. I'm going like, man, this is blowing my mind, you know? And I'm talking about skits that they did on his show, you know? And, and, uh, and Steve was sitting right next to me. And I think Steve kind of gave me the security to say, hey, here's the issues I had with the film. You know, I, I really wish you would have had me and my sister help you a little bit more with this film because we could have taken it and made it even something better, you know? Because to be honest with you, the truth is so much stranger than fiction, folks, growing up on that stuff. But we had a really good, frank conversation. And that was really cool. And then I got another text from Jessica. Hey, you know, I'm just thinking about you. I'm worried about you. And I'm like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm talking to the director right now outside. And she's like, oh, you're here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And she's like, great. Well, well, well I'm out on the dance floor. Please come out and see me, you know? And, and um, it reminded me, I, I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie, Say Anything. Um, and the main character is Lloyd Dobler. And he gets like the valedictorian girl to go on a date with him. And he takes her to the end of year bash party, but he becomes the key master. So he has to take every drunk, every person's keys so they don't drive home drunk. 
And later she's talking about being at that party about Lloyd. And she's like, you know, we didn't talk much at the party, but he was always looking out for me. He was always making sure I was okay. And she was like, really, it's like, like, well, and she was talking about why Lloyd's special. And, um, and to me, it was kind of funny. I felt like, you know, Jessica Chastain was my Lloyd Dobler in, 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 at the after party. It was like, she kind of just kept watching me. And of course, you know, I had my buddy Steve and, and Lori, who was just there helping me out. And, and um, had a few, few good conversations. They had these baby blue phones from the movie on all the, the prayer line where the donation line phones all along the outside on the, on the tables. And um, I may have gotten a little bit crazy and stole one and put it in my bag and taken it back with me. So if you need to call the prayer line, I'm here waiting to take your calls. Um, because it was a party, I needed to do something that was, you know, teenage Jay. So I did. And uh, then I sent some pictures of me in different places to it to Jessica, letting her know that I had taken the phone. Um, me in the car, me in my bathrobe with my uh, tied with a towel around and put it up like my sister used to when I was a kid, and I'm on the phone. Um, so I kind of made some fun with it. Um, but yeah, so th that's what I did. It was tough. It wasn't easy. Um, but I ended up finding Jessica at the end, tracked her down. She was on the dance floor, and it's like all this loud music. It was literally like being in my 20s again, like at the club. You know, we're like, yeah, you know, that was really, you did a great job. Yeah, this was hard. You know, and trying to have this conversation. But we did. And um, so, yeah, that was kind of a wild experience. And then got home at 1.30 in the morning, um, all hyped up on Diet Cokes. Uh, so... I don't know if Josh found the request button. Um, I love technical difficulties. Um, hello? God loves you, it really does. I'm gonna help you. Let's see if there's any questions. There's a lot of laughter. <laughs> a lot, a lot of laughter. I love the phone. <laughs> Here's Steve. I love the phone that you took it. I know. I felt bad. You know, I'm like, I was like, you know, and of course they're going to be like, oh, Mr. Oh, Baker stole something from the party. And I even heard the security being like, uh, we've got phones that we need to, you know, like I think they kind of made it, saw me do it. And I was just like, oh, please ask me to open my bag, please. Um, but I made it through the security. And they, oh, at the end, they also had it up cake pops with eyelashes on them, which I thought was really cute. Um, I'm going to try one more time, and if we don't get him, then we'll give up. But I'm going to prove you one more time. Here we go. See if you make it on this time. So, yeah, I had some fun. So, I didn't get paid by the hey. movie. There he is. But I did get Yes, it worked. Hey, are you the Blair Witch Project? I know, right? It's a uh... – look at that. Okay. Brian? I tried to do it on the um... – I tried to do it on the computer, but it didn't try to go mobile. That's why I'm... Uh, yeah, you know, all about mobile phones nowadays, yeah. man. All right. So, Josh is here to read your questions, and I will answer them. So, if you have questions, nail us. We'll give you... We'll do about, what, five minutes of questions, ten minutes of questions, yeah. and then we'll we'll wrap this thing up. Somebody did ask me, though, about making a donation, and honestly, that's how this church survives, and we barely survived, to be honest with you folks, but... If you go to revolutionchurch.com slash donate, 
um, you can make a donation to the church there financially. And also Steve is always on me about making sure that we raise money. As you know, I have some, some old, old parts of my life that make it kind of weird asking for people to donate money. Um, you won't get so, I can't even promise a blessing, but you'll get more revolution. So, All right. Hi, Tammy. Tammy says hi, hi. to me. Hi. Your song was great. <laughs> we stayed for the whole uh, closing credits for it. So it was, uh, it was awesome. Nice. Let's see. So uh, do you want me to scroll back up for a little bit to see or? I mean, you can see if there's any questions, if nobody has any questions. It's so funny okay. that because this is called after where we all have our little conversation. You can even ask about my talk at the beginning if you want. Um, but people get kind of quiet. Somebody's got to come out and ask the first question. I'm guessing that maybe Steve will. Oh, um, here we Do Keith. we have one from yeah. Keith? Keith Tyler, cannot imagine what this life has been like for Jay and Tammy Sue. They wouldn't remember me because they were children when I did some work for PTO. The story is much more complicated than can be accurately captured within the time constraints of a film uh, or documentary. Jim and Tammy Faye were complex characters with their stories involved jaw-dropping and admirable characteristics, but the public uh, gravitates to only the seedy side of the story, the Freudian missteps and very incorrect misassumptions. I have been approached yeah. for stories about my encounters with Jim and Tammy Faye, and they never landed because I insist on being fair and honest. I don't trash people for profit. When I served at PTL, Jim was always busy interacting with guests, so I didn't have much interaction with him. Meanwhile, oh, hold on, hold up, where was I? <laughs> Meanwhile, Tommy Faye rehearsed and interacted with musicians and normally known in the Christian TV world as servant nobodies. Um, <laughs> they always, always made every effort to treat all of us nobodies, in quotation marks, as comrades and fellow equals. Um, she stands alone as the only Christian celebrity who didn't treat others as underlings. When the rubber hit the road and Jerry Falwell, uh, and that was my own commentary of yeah. Jerry Falwell, uh, okay. and the uh, Christian Family Values Coalition, who are anything but moral and humane during the height of the AIDS crisis, Tammy Faye single-handedly took on the issue as a warrior. She took on the uh, commandments of Christ like a warrior, and she was disparaged by the evangelical Christian movement. How dare she be compassionate and loving to the outcast of society? Jim Baker embodies Tammy Faye's spirit. He's not a sellout to any tribe, and he follows Christ's teaching. And for some hateful and bigoted reasons, the evangelical Christian moments believes Jay must be punished for this. So that's uh, that's the fun. That's and then April Gallagher said, "Why didn't the directors involve the kids for real life experiences?" I don't know. Like we talked a little bit and even the director didn't even be able to seem to give me a solid answer. Um, I think it's kind of like a Hollywood political thing. Mm. You know, I mean, Elton John's doing a doing a musical about my mom and I was talking to one of the people from it. And as soon as I said, hey, why don't you get me and my sister involved? They stopped talking to oh. me. Yeah. Um, it's 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 really strange. Um, I, I hope, you know, me and and Pete Rollins and Helen are working on a documentary right now with Vice Magazine that I think will be very interesting. Um, for the next year, we'll be working on that. And I think people will see something different. My sister will be also be involved with that. So so I think people will see some things that are, that are a bit different there, uh, depending on the direction we end up deciding on going, but they'll see something different either way. But yeah, it was funny. It's like, I think that it's like this Hollywood thing. I don't know what they're afraid of. Um, 
because anybody with like normal leadership skills can just be like, no, we're going to ignore the kids or, you know, or no, we're not going to do what you recommended. But they could also be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that happened. Like I was, there's a scene where these kids are making fun of my mom in the film. I'm going to try not to talk too much about the film today. I really wanted to just talk about the, the premiere, but um, where she meets these kids who are making fun of her and she gives them autographed pictures. But the real story happened in Palm Desert Town Center Mall that me and my mom frequented quite a bit. These She was by herself and she was living in the desert, in Palm Desert. And these kids made fun of her and she went up and she introduced herself and said, hey, if you're gonna make fun of me, at least meet me, get to know me. And she was, matter of fact, are you guys hungry? And they're like, sure. And she's like, you know, there's a Marie Callender's up there. They've got great pie. If you guys wanna go, I'll buy you whatever you want. And you guys can sit and talk to me and I'll ask any questions you want. And she went and sat with these kids for an hour in the mall, talking to them and getting to know them. I would love, I hope to one day meet one of these kids because uh, they're probably adults now, definitely adults now. Um, that's something that even I would barely, I wouldn't, I don't think I would like somebody telling me off. I wouldn't make in fun of me, be like, hey, you want to go grab a burger? You know, want to go Taco Bell? Taco Bell Grande on me. <laughs> um, and I told the director that story, you know, um, and he said he was going to get in touch with me and we were going to have more conversations. Um, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. I've written books before, and if you've been in the book industry, you really don't have a whole lot of expectations on <laughs> on on on, the, on on companies or events or whatever this is. Um, was that it? Uh, so we had James I, Chaplin. Chapman say, "Why wasn't James Chapman yeah. in the movie played by Leo DiCaprio?" Ambie said, "Yes, she was a hero." Uh, Lucy Bohem, uh, when. Uh, when this COVID pandemic is over, would it be possible to have you and Tammy Sue hold a concert together? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's possible. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and then Steve- If this thing ever- Oh, sorry. Um, Steve Peters said they don't uh, want to know the truth. It might spoil their storyline, which I believe is in response to April Gallagher. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Um, Let's see. I love the story. Uh, Roberta said, I love that story about your mom. I have to admit, I was critical of your mom until I saw the old documentary on her. I fell in love with her. And Tammy Sue said, yes, yeah. we would do a concert. Okay, there you go. <laughs> the answer is yes. One of the cool things about the movie is it was based off of this documentary called The Eyes of Tammy Faye, done by World of Wonder. And um, the, the, the guys who own World of Wonder were there. Um, we hung out, but they're working with us a little bit on the on the dock. And um, that documentary is really incredible, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. At least I think so. So I would recommend checking out that documentary, finding it and watching it because it's really good. And you get to see both of my parents talk and my sister talk. And I think I'm in it for like 10 seconds. You get to see me go. <laughs> you get to hear me uh, talk enough. So that's fine. Steve says, tell them how you would have ended the movie with your mom leading the drag queens and singing Jesus Loves Me. Yeah, well, that's it. That's how my mom was at a, um, a pride parade. And how This is how I would end it. They ended it, her singing it. I won't tell you. You're going to have to see the film. I'm not going to spoil the end. <laughs> but I would have ended the film with my mom singing at the gay pride parade, leading everybody in Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Because I think that was kind of the redemptive moment. And it's also, ironically, I feel like the gay community, the LGBTQ community that kind of helped redeem my mom. And now kind of Hollywood is trying their own ways of redemption. Unfortunately, the church never really showed up there. I mean, honestly, 
you know, here we are, the, we're supposed to be redeemers and forgivers and restorers, and we just are, really don't know how to do it. We're really good at judging, which is not act, really actually against any like biblical mandate. So maybe we could get better at restoring people. Um, there's enough people with critic criticism. You don't have to worry that someone's not going to get critiqued. They're going to get critiqued. You know, we as the church, it's our job to heal people. You know, I, I saw somebody who said, like, I'll stop going to the church when they stop protecting, you know, um, abusers. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. I get what you're saying. You know, like we shouldn't have abusers who are ministers and, and practicing stuff like that. But we also have to learn to try to help those people not be abusers. You know, we're, we're called to be a hospital. And, and the church is unfortunately a hospital that doesn't allow in sick people. You know, and we're not called to be judge and jury. We're, we're, we're called to be a hospital. And unfortunately, we're not that. Got anything else there, buddy? Um, so Lucy says, if you go to World of Wonder streaming platform, they just released deleted footage from the doc. There was a scene with Tammy Sue bringing her boys to see her at the airport. And it's so cute and fun. James is so tiny. Yeah, and then, James is a tiny. So is his, so is his uncle. <laughs> I'm his uncle. Um, Brian Kilroy, uh, no real question. Just want to say I always love hearing your take on everything, and your take is on this is extremely interesting and valuable to hear. Um, Terry said, "Right, the church." I think we'll set up where we do where we do a talk about the film, like the kind of the you know, if if Rolling Stone doesn't call me asking me to do, you know, what was real and what mm -hmm. wasn't, we'll probably do our own little Rolling Stone behind the scenes, behind the music. <laughs> Keith said, uh, good question. These film projects never involve anyone related to or working alongside these main characters. Not one of these efforts has ever been involved, uh, has ever involved a relative employee or uh, contractor directly related to Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. There's a reason for that and it involves demographic targets, editorial slant and end profits. We live in an age well, when drama trumps truth, regardless of what it costs anyone else, uh, or regardless of what it costs anyone else or one's own character or integrity. And Lucy said, Tammy Faye once said our lives are supposed to be hospitals, not courtrooms. Right. Well, one of the things that's interesting about that is like me and my sister, we had some involvement with talking to the actors and that was the most. And we were so grateful because we were grateful for the crumbs from the tables because no one has ever had us involved with any of this stuff. And another thing I noticed was, as I was watching the actors do interviews, like in, in reading some of their interviews, is that the press doesn't even do actual fact checking anymore. Like they go to like Wikipedia. Mm -hmm because some of their stuff literally just lines out of Wikipedia. Um, you know, I've been divorced for three years and there was a picture of me and my date and they said it was my ex-wife. You know what I mean? Cause they just went to Wikipedia and my Wikipedia doesn't say I'm divorced from my last wife. So everybody thinks, I'm so, so they just went to Wikipedia and go, oh, it must've been her. You know, I've never seen my dad's charges actually put right. Usually they just use the word bilking. Um, you know, most people don't know that my dad was never charged with stealing a dollar, you know, or a dime um, in his, his charges. Um, so it's strange, like, it's not, it's the people who are supposed to bring us facts, not Hollywood, but the very press itself can't even get the, the story right. And that's what's tough, you know. 
And um, what's, what's really ironic to me though, is how people trust the press more. I was talking to a, literally a historian of, 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 of Christianity, famous writer, you would know the name if I said it, who, who made an accusation about my dad. And I said, you've got this wrong. And I explained to them what the actual story was. And they said, well, the guy from the Charlotte Observer said this, and the Wikipedia page says this. And I was like, you're a historian. Like, now I can never read one of your books ever again and think that you're an actual historian, you know? Um, and then saying like, well, you know, you're just their kids. So of course, you're gonna see it this way. Um, so it's kind of funny how we kind of disrespect people who've lived through it because we hear what we want to hear to the point where we can have someone who actually sat down, had a conversation about a very story, knows exactly what happened, but we don't want to hear the truth. So often we really don't want to hear the truth. We want people to live into our prejudices. We want people to live into our stereotypes. Um, we, we need a scapegoat so bad that we, we need the scapegoat to fit into that mold. Uh, and I think it's often wonder is because we don't want to see ourselves as judges, is we don't want to see ourselves as persecutors. And the thing is, is it's okay. That's human nature to judge and to be that way. But what's even better is it's okay to say, hey, you know, I was wrong. I, I had misjudgments. I, I believed this. And, and now I see it. This, you know, it's okay. We're complicated. It's okay to say you were wrong. I think that's one of the hardest things you can do. Any more questions? Um... Some are still coming in. We have Zoe said, um, I would like to have, uh, I would have liked to see more of an arc for your dad. He changed so much in pris prison and had some very beautiful things to say. He got one line that came close to showing it. Um, yeah. Then Zoe, uh, when they were commenting on your um, take on the, the media said, Jay is a pastor at a, of a church that meets in a bowling alley, which, is, he, uh, which they saw in an article. Uh, before, um, then uh, any good support groups for beat up AG youth pastors or pastors that you know of, Jeff Gallagher asked. I don't know. I mean, I think attending these weekly services is probably a good place. And the reason <laughs> I'd say that is often those times, and it's good, you know, sometimes you need some place to blow off steam. I see this a lot with deconstruction, though is uh, modern deconstruction is a lot of modern deconstruction sounds like it's just people blowing off steam and being angry for what they've been through rather than actual literal deconstruction and so i guess my thing there is like hey you know say you're setting up a support group not necessarily deconstructing because there comes a time where you have to stop you have to let that anger go and you have to find the construction in it and you have to reconstruct your life and not live in that moment and not live in that bitterness and you have to face even what responsible. I've learned this in the 12 step group is you kind of have to even learn like, what was your role in that, you know? And, and that's tough to look at, especially when you're angry. So it takes time. And that's why in the 12 steps, it's not right away that you do that. Um, but we have to learn that we, we're in a dance in a way in the church and, uh, and that it's not just the church at this way. It's almost any organizations have these similar issues. And uh, for some reason, we think it's special to the church and this, this pain, and, but people are contradictions. People are hypocrites, you know, in every aspect of life. And so I, I think we, if we can take away that magical thinking that it's only us, you know, we all suffer and we all suffer in different ways. And I think that's important. 
But um, I'd say come here. I'd also say find a good therapist. You know, that's what I've done is found a really good therapist over the years that I could talk to and uh, really work this stuff out um, because so much of it is, uh, is really complicated. But I know there's got to be some support groups out there as well. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's, that's not the road I took. Um, Eddie uh said at the premiere was there anyone you really wanted to see or meet or hadn't seen in a long time psj and tammy sue thank you for uh thank you for your love and truths and my husband and i love your mama i'm like vince i wanted to meet vincent that was like he was the one guy i wanted to meet and i got to meet him on the on the pink carpet it wasn't actually red i didn't realize that until like three days later because i was just like Whoa. <laughs> But yeah, I got to meet Vincent. I really wanted to meet him. Jessica, of course, was amazing. Um, like I said, so yeah, um, got to see the guys from World of Wonder, and that was great. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, nothing. And Steve, I mean, Steve was the. I was just happy to meet Steve in person, and this was a great excuse for us to get together and hang out. So we got to meet in his hotel room at first, and then we had brunch the next day, and then we hung out at the post party, and so yeah, it was cool. Uh, when, uh, when, because we just came from the movie right before this, and when Vincent D'Onofrio's character walked on screen for the first time and does like the freeze frame and says who it is, I let out like an audible like moan, and like my wife like nudged my like my ribs to let me know <laughs> that I was like making a like a a moaning of despair when <laughs> it comes out very Reservoir Doggy. Yeah, you know, yep. like... <laughs> yeah. And then the name popped up. I was like, oh boy. Yeah. That was yeah um right, so we have a few more um it looks like it's dwindling down chrissy said, okay yeah yeah chrissy said how can they make movies about your life and not have your permission or compensate you in some way i am sure they'll make millions talk about crumbs from the table um brian said love the windshield wiper impression jay does when he with his fingers when he talks <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> then we have uh keith said Please underscore the point here. So I <laughs> he says, please underscore the point that Jay's efforts and his voice are heard by countless numbers of us out here. Uh, faceless screen names who support and understand that truth and life are complex. We need people like Jay who have a platform and a voice to be heard for being fair and honest in any story. What can we do to help this um, and any related effort in this global conversation? Is it donations or thumbs up or subscribing somewhere? How can we provide tangible support for Jay's efforts? Well, I mean, that's all of those. I mean, donations really do help a lot because it gives us better ways to be able to reach more people and get onto more platforms. I'm going to sound like a televangelist, but honestly, that was the truth that I had televangelists too. They were just trying to get more platforms to talk to be heard. You know, so by donating, that really helps us. Also helps me pay my bills and not feel insane. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I have a board that votes on my pay and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also retweeting and, and sharing our t talks and, 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 and sharing on Facebook and sharing on Instagram and sharing it in your stories and letting people know we're out there. You know, it's like, I remember when everybody used to retweet each other. Now it's like, like barely ever get a retweet, you know, and uh, though all those things help, you know, like if you can't donate financially to, you know, you can retweet, you can share, you can tell people about it. You can even tell your friends about it. You can even send them a text, 
you know, about what we're doing. And, um, you know, if you know churches in your area, you know, or bars in your area, you know, I'd be glad to come out and we can do a talk out there. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of things we can do. If you have a podcast, I can do your podcast. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of different ways to support what we're doing. Josh kind of knows more of the the technical side of what we need help with. He's over there. So, <laughs> yeah, anything that I'm not like a super IT person, but I uh, refuse to be stumped. So if anyone has a question like that or a way they want to get in touch with Jay or have him talk or something, I will figure it out somehow if it is possible. Um, um, hell or high water. Uh, Zoe asked, did Kyle, the guy that played you, go get to go to the premiere? He was not at the premiere, probably because he was cut out of the movie. So it probably wasn't something he wanted to do. I was actually the one who told him he was cut out of the movie, which was kind of bummer. I didn't realize that. I was like, oh, yeah, they cut us out of the movie. He's like, oh. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be the one who told you. He's like, no, I'm glad you told me. I didn't want to take my friends and be like, hey, I'm in this movie, and then not be in it. <laughs> so, you know. Let's do two more questions and then wrap this up. Okay. Um, did Mr. Peters and your mom ever finally meet in person? Was she ever able to give him that hug? Steve could probably answer I that. I don't know. Answer. Good question. He could probably answer that if he's still here. If not, I'll find out. Uh, um, he was here two minutes ago, so we'll see. Maybe there's a little delay. But um, and then, oh, Brian uh, said, I want to say to the dude in the yellow shirt, which is me, is doing a great job monitoring uh, moderating these questions. We make sure all are asked. This is a great format moving forward. Two enthusiastic thumbs up. We uh, we honestly didn't oh, talk about moving forward with it, but it's something that we could talk about if it really helps Jay. Um, hopefully we figure out the, the hiccups beforehand <laughs> so we're not problem solving. Um, Will, uh, Lucy asked, will we ever see your mom's music and shows re-released? And Steve said, no, they did not. Oh, that's too bad. Um, me, I don't know. Me and my sister will probably be talking about that in the future, but we'll let you know. Um, and um, there's a question, is Caleb okay? Um, uh, yeah, Caleb's doing well. He's uh, been working on things and, and uh, we talked to week ago, I think, and he's, you know, working things out, you know, that's such personal stuff with what's going on with Caleb. So, you know, he's on Instagram and, and, and Twitter as well. So, you know, if you can reach out to him there, I believe it's like Real Caleb Revolution or Revolution, Revolution Caleb. Caleb, I think. Yeah. 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 So you can, you know, also reach out to him there and, and chat with him a bit. So it looks like um, he's got some people are answering other questions. Um, and referring okay. to people other in chat. So I think we're, we're good. The only we're thing good. that I have that stuck out to me in the movie is you guys really had a connection uh, to the Monster Mash. That made me be like, well, <laughs> there's a line that, yeah, said, yeah. Uh, that said, True. I haven't had this feeling since the Monster Mash. And I was like, me and my wife love that song. So, and that pimple. <laughs> <thing, so. laughs> All true. Yeah. That part, at least. <laughs> that, that one line, right? Yeah. Yeah, that line. No, there's yeah. some there's some good stuff. And one day we'll we'll do a Q and A about that as well. But mm. um, for that, I, I today I just wanted to focus on this and then maybe set up something a little bit more collective that we can all just do together. Maybe like a Zoom chat or something where we oh, can do like yeah. fifteen. 
like 15 people at a time or 10 people at a time or something yeah. like that. So it's more of a conversation than I mean, you going like, oh, what's, what's happening, you know, so we can all kind of talk. Maybe we can do like, a, what is, what are those things that there was that one where you can talk on that one app? Oh, like what's, I don't know, what's it's so popular. And... You can remember the clubhouse, clubhouse, oh, okay, yeah. something like a clubhouse for it. All right. Well, yeah. thanks everybody. For coming today josh thanks for your help today yeah, of course and uh, hey we'll be here next week as always and um if you do want to support what we're doing financially it's revolutionchurch.com donations um tell people about us let us know you know let us know what you think in the comments and uh if you like what we're doing share it with others thanks a lot be blessed See you guys bye-bye for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.